The eyes of Texas are upon you, and you obviously cannot handle it. This is Locked On Big 12. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Big 12. I'm Drake Toll from ESPN Central Texas. Thank you for making Locked On Big 12 your first listen every single day. Please disregard the boxes in the background if you're watching on YouTube. I am in the process of moving back in Arkansas momentarily. Pack it all up. Move to the East Coast. Announce it very soon. Look. The eyes of Texas were on Rodney Terry, and he made a joke at the university. Again, it seems like people in positions of power keep doing this, whether it's the softball coach flipping off the fans, which is terrible, and you can't do that, whether it's the football coach yelling at the get-back guy at some venue, or now the men's basketball coach talking about how pitiful, how much of a crime it was that this underwritten basketball team in the Big 12 would do their would do their coveted sign back to them. This is so terrible, and his players are going to have nightmares about it. Now, I'm going to talk about the entire Big 12 and what all happened on Wednesday night. Houston getting a big win over Texas Tech. West Virginia still not back, but good enough to beat Texas. And speaking of beating Texas, UCF did it. Texas is really bad at basketball, and Rodney Terry is probably going to lose his job, and I don't think he gave himself any favors. Can we be, can I, if you are an Oklahoma State fan and you're listening, you're a BYU fan and you're listening, you're an Arizona fan and you're listening, can we all just gather around? Can we gather around? If your head coach, if your administration, if your if a player on your team does something stupid or cringy or weird, you have the right as a fan, in my opinion, to say, hey, I support you. I love you. I'm passionate. That was cringy and weird. As a Texas fan, do you have enough self-awareness to go? Uh, yeah. Our head coach probably shouldn't have cried about this. That, but why? Why whine when you're in a handshake line and the other team is doing the horns down? To, oh, I just did it on camera. I can't. Do I get a fine? The other team is doing a horns down to the crowd or even towards your players. I think it. it and and there's con- the context to add here. Mul- multiple pieces of context I'll throw in. One, 18, 19, 20 year old players who are just doing a hand sign that is a horns down kids after a basketball game. That's one. Two, UCF was supposed to suck. Even their fans were like, yeah, UCF basketball is not going to be great. Maybe there's a coaching change at the end of the year. And they just beat Texas at Texas, who we now know they're the real ones that suck. That's a marquee win. I know they get the win against Kansas, but it's another marquee win to go on the road and beat a big brand like Texas. And that's a brand that's continually diluted by coaches doing stupid things, by them not being able to handle the spotlight, not being able to handle normal moments in college football. Hey, go to the SEC where some guy at Auburn poisoned a tree, killed a tree, or somebody was a guy at Bama that killed the Auburn tree or whatever, where the guy at Ole Miss got fired as the head coach for calling the red light district on his school phone. It was like, uh, that wasn't me. That was the last guy. And then the last guy was like, that wasn't me. I'm going to hire my own personal investigator to get you completely fired. And so that my name is cleared. Like they do wild stuff in the SEC. Texas, on the other hand, it's all internal. It's all like pole assassin stuff. This isn't some sort of like 
cool rivalry where one guy's against another or one program's against another or one team does it like where LSU goes and like cooks entire alligators. No, this is the, this is the pole assassin jazz or the, the flipping off the crowd or the yelling at the get back guy or the, or the being all PO'd about the, the horns down thing. This is internal stuff where Texas just looks around and says, what is the stupidest thing we get? The 2.96 GPA. What was it? Like 2.96 highest GPA in Texas history. They put the big graphic up about it. Like, dude, there's just some things we don't have to post. Here's what Roddy Terry had to say. Let's break down what Roddy Terry had to say after the game. After UCF players committed a, a war crime by showing horns down. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line or prior to getting to the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down act like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's I, I, I Credit KVUE, by the way, for that video. I had to stop it. Because it's there's a point where it's like, whoa, 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 Rodney, put the shovel down. Put the shovel down. Don't just put the shovel down. Classless. Those are the players. We don't do that around here. We're Texas. Brother, look around your athletic department. Look around at this year after year, the stuff that happens that people go, oh, that's not good. That's not good. Like, I don't think he realizes the, the, the class that he's trying to bring to Texas, the class, how classy Texas is when it's just not. When that's not the brand that UT has put out over the last 10 years. I had, I can say this now, I, I left the job. And when I was at ESPN Central Texas, we had Chris Del Conte on, on our show. And he was kind of rude. Like, we had Chris Del Conte on the show, and I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, Chris, you, I think they were playing, like, maybe it was a BYU game coming up. I was like, you know, you got BYU. Is it cool to play some of these new Big 12 teams, the teams that will carry the torch? And he was like, huh, friend, I'm here to talk about Texas. That's why you brought me on your show, right? It's like, whoa, I was giving you a softball PR question, just a normal like, and that's just feels like what Texas is, is just unreasonably cocky, unreasonably rude, believes so highly of themselves when they're just a normal program like all of us. Like, I, I, I don't know if they've won enough in enough sports that that are at the top of that, that you watch you know, nationally, they're breaking records that are that are, you know, they, they are good at the director's cup. But the, the the sports that the revenue sports for us to really have to care. I don't know, man. I just don't think I think that insinuating the other team's classless and they didn't expect to win. They won the game. <laughs> they won the game. Obviously, they expected to win. They won the freaking game. Houston's good, by the way. 54 points for Texas Tech and Grant McCaslin. 54 points. That is the Houston defense, not just being good, but the Houston offense also being good. I've asked for the Houston offense. Like, look, you got to have, I know defense wins championships, sure, but you need to have the offense that can also do it. You can hold a team to 60, but if you're only scoring 59, that's not good enough. Houston putting up 77, holding Texas Tech to 54. That is their best performance of the Big 12 so far. I am even better than West Virginia because Texas Tech is so much better than West Virginia. The same West Virginia team who lost 77 to 63 to Oklahoma. Keep Oklahoma rank. 
keep Houston ranked, obviously, keep Texas Tech ranked. And at some point, a couple of wins, a couple of wins down the line, we start giving votes to UCF. That's how deep this conference is. It's crazy. It's nuts. Tomorrow's going to be fun, too. I love a good Saturday basketball. Oh, we get Baylor in Texas. I hope Baylor beats Texas in Austin. That'd be flipping awesome, huh? Ooh, we get Iowa State at TCU. I don't even know what's going to happen in that one. Kansas at West Virginia. BYU at Texas Tech. Nuts, man. Um, coming up, Utah's got a lot of players back. Let's talk about it. This, in football, that is, is Locked On Big 12, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's show is brought to you, kind folks, by FanDuel. FanDuel's where I go to make money. I think oh, I need some money. Rent is coming up. And I need some money. I go to fanduel.com slash locked on. You, a new customer, can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is easy to use. And there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays, find the best bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and more. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, where I go to have fun where you can go to have fun, where we all go. It's all me to FanDuel.com forward slash lockdown. We can make money together. I like making new money. You like making money. Do it at FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. The biggest question about Utah has been the passing game. Can you be a more dynamic offense than what you were last year? And the answer to that was always going to be yes with Cam Rising coming back, who is obviously one of the best quarterbacks in college football, returning based on what he's done in the past. We already laid out not a lot of guys back-to-back conference championships. And I know he's getting up there in age, but still a guy who's capable of executing. And we just saw a lot of older quarterbacks have a lot of success this past season. But he didn't have his number one guy this year. That was Brant Keithy. It took a while for him to put it out, but Brant Keithy is officially coming back. When you are talking about Brant Keithy, you are talking about a guy who the last time he was healthy for an entire season had over 600 yards. He had over 600 yards with not just Cam Rising, but all the way back in 2019, did it with Tyler Huntley too. And yes, he only had 206 yards in 2022, but he only got to play in four games. Three of those were absolute blowouts. And one of those was against the Florida Gators. We went over 100 yards on the on the on in the game. And outside Anthony Richardson looked like the best player on the field. This is one of the best tight ends in college football. And Utah getting him back is absolutely massive, Drake. Brand Keithy is 24 years old. By the end of next season, he will be approaching his 25th birthday. He is getting close to being able to rent a car. He is getting he's close. Older than you and, he's older than you and I, correct? Yes, almost combined, yes. I think. Yes. He <laughs> he is almost off his parents' insurance. He is old. But in college football this year, when you looked at who went to New York for the Heisman, I don't think Brent Keithy will, but those guys were old. That's the trend of college football now. The old guys are winning. And it's the reason, this is a fun little aside here, it's the reason I think most teams are opting to go with the fourth-year guy from Western Kentucky to move into their program rather than the 18-year-old out of high school. It makes sense, and Brent Keithy is a part of that. Now, there is no conversation to me about Brent Keithy without talking about Cam Rising. Those two things work in in tandem with one another. If one is off, if one doesn't exist, I think the other is rendered much less effective. Not ineffective, but much less effective, right? Brent Keith is going to be the favorite target. He should be. If Cam Rising is 100% healthy, Utah's the most dangerous team in the Big 12, the most dangerous team in the Big 12. Here is the big problem that I think a lot of people are going to overlook, but we have to, objectively, yeah. as someone who covers all teams, we have to understand these are two guys in Cam Rising and Brand Keithy who haven't played football in a long, long time. 
Is that going to affect? Look, hey, Michael Penix Jr., same thing. He didn't play a lot of football. He was hurt every year, came back and could have won the Heisman Trophy. I think Cam Rising can do that. But I was holding out on Michael Penix Jr. through week five because I, I didn't know yet. Like, is he, mm-hmm. anybody can get hurt. I'm not waiting on one of the two to get hurt. I'm waiting to see, are they 100%? Do they bring the same moxie? Do they bring the same stuff? Do they bring the same dangerous aura to the Utah offense that was so needed? I think Utah, I, I know Utah is better than their record this season. I know they are if healthy. That's not an argument. It's not an argument, but it's that if right there that I circle and I can't erase until I see it, until I see these two guys going at it. I know what the potential is. I know what the ceiling is, but is it going to be their game one? We don't know that. You're absolutely right. As much as I, and the only thing I was Uh-oh. pushing back. Hear that? Locked on Utes fans? I was pushing back on early when you were saying Cam needed Brand. I was just saying that Cam actually just needs an elite tight end because when it wasn't Brand, it was Dalton. Yeah. K, no, but, right. Which is where we can get into some of the tight end depth that Utah has. It's going to be really exciting. And I don't think Dalton Kincaid's going to be suiting up for Utah next season. Unfortunately not. He's playing really well for the Buffalo. He is. Right he now. is. Yeah. So it's been kind of, it's been, it's been fun to watch that. But when you're talking about Cam, it is crazy to think like he has not played a football game game since January 1st, 2023. So by the time the season rolls around, that's like, whoa. And Utah's first game is August 29th. That's a, that means if Brant Keithy plays in that game, which he absolutely should, obviously all the health concerns at that point should be out the window. Yeah, yeah. Brant will have not played in a game in almost two years. That's an incredibly long time. And there will be questions then. Okay. How fast, how explosive, how all these things, how is he going to do? So those are big. What ifs that are going to be very interesting to see, but you also did a good, made a good point, bringing up a Michael Penix, right? He came back from those injuries and looked an exceptionally good. I think Cam and Brandt both should be able to do that, but it's going to be interesting to see Drake. Right, me front row. I'm raising my hand. Yeah, I, got you. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy to believe that that there could be a Michael Penix Jr. kind of leap this year at the quarterback position for Utah. That is not something yeah. that I, I don't, I, there were some Compared people, like, had, yeah. some people like, oh, I don't I don't know what Cam Rising could be what Michael Penix was. I think he could be better. I think he could be, because it, now you're going to make at, the Utah fans turn on me in a second. <laughs> at the peak of where we saw Cam Rising, I think is better than the peak that we saw from Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana. I think it oh, is. Yeah. I, but that's all. That's the Met. That's what we had of Michael. You know, we saw him in Indiana thought, oh, what could he be if he stayed healthy? I think Cam Rising showed us more before getting hurt than Michael Penix Jr. did. So not only is this a, a, a very logical comparison, I think Cam Rising could be better. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying that. I'm just putting it out there. See, you're doing a lot of good work today to put yourself on the good side of Utah fans. I want to give you that uh, first before I say this. I think the only the big difference I look to is just the massive difference in Kalen DeBoer, Washington, those receivers where Penix was at Indiana then going there versus Utah in a similar system. Utah also need they're going to need to add some more receivers if they want to have that kind of thing. But I don't also this is a guy we've seen in Cam Rising who went toe to toe with Caleb Williams, has had big moments, made big plays, made big throws. So I definitely see what you're talking about in terms of having just an incredible season. What's awesome about Brant coming back is look, I can't tell every single college tight end room what they look like, but I'm going to be honest. I have it hard pressed to believe there is a group of three tight ends in college football right now with a proven track record better than Brant Keith. He already said what he did. Carson Ryan comes over from UCLA. He had 13 catches with 205 yards with Dante Moore and all those other Bruins as quarterbacks. Dante Moore was, was, 
so not good, basically. He agreed to be a backup at Oregon for this year, so I think that's worth bearing in mind. And Landon King, I know he only had just over 150 yards, but he barely got to play the first half of the year because Thomas Yasmin was in there. And obviously Utah, just in general, passing game-wise was limited with Bryson Bards, as we kind of discussed, too. So when you're talking about these three tight ends, we could be talking about a situation, once again, we're back in 2021, Keithy and Kincaid, both over 500 yards, finished first and third in receiving yards. I think one some combination of Keithy, Ryan, and King could do that, and I expect all three of these guys to have a legit chance to be Utah's top five, in the top five or top six of receiving leaders for Utah. This is a fantastic tight end room, and no one has used tight ends in college football or I shouldn't say no one, but Mm. very few schools have used tight end better as well as Utah has in the last few years. So I'm really fired up about the potential of these tight ends in Andy Ludwig's offense. Jared Wiley, TCU, gone. Ben Sinnott, Kansas State, gone. Isaac Rex, BYU, gone. Cole Taylor's back for West Virginia. He's going to be pretty good. But yeah, there's no argument. The best tight ends, the best of the best in the Big 12 are all going away, aside from maybe Cole Taylor. And Utah could boast three of them. Now the struggle is you can't really put three tight ends on on the field at the same time. So you're going to have to you're going to have to try to piece together who's going to be out there where. But I believe I really do. I play tight end when I played football. So I have a, I have an affinity for the position. You know, first one in, last one out. These are the kind of guys you let date your daughter. They play the game the right way. The tight end is always that guy. You're just like, you know what? That's a, that's a football player right there. Yeah. It's, it's the flashy fullback is what it is. And if you've got three of them, including Brant Keithy, who could be one, of, he could be a Mackey Award winner. When yeah. you have that in your arsenal for Utah, I don't think you need. Now, yeah, I know you and I talked off the air about whether or not Utah goes and gets a, a, an additional receiver to try to anchor the offense. If you use the tight end strategically enough, you don't have. If you if you can develop not necessarily a ground and pound, but a pro style. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs; they're still going to the playoffs. They have one pass catcher, and it's the tight end, Travis Kelsey. I don't know if anybody on Utah's roster is going to be Travis Kelsey, but if utilized in that way, if you if you take – and it, a lot of high school coaches do this. They say, all right, here's the group of athletes I've been given this year. Here's where I tweak the offense to meet where our, where our program is. If we don't have the big bodies, we don't ground and pound. We throw the football, and vice versa. For Utah, understand your personnel. Utilize tight end, and things will go well for the Utes. Oh, going to pop in and interrupt the conversation real quick before we get into a complete rundown on everything that's happening right now in expansion. Because I want to just tie it with a bow here coming up in the next segment when I joined a fun little podcast. Uh, GameTime.co. GameTime.co is your place to go for tickets. Let's talk about it. Game time is where I go when I need tickets. Game time is the best place to go because you can see the seat before you buy it. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets about your next big event. You shouldn't have to worry like sports, music, comedy, theater events, everything. Killer, killer deals at game time. Download the game time app. View the seat. Event cancellation protection. You've got lowest prices guaranteed. Game time helps you pick the seats and gives you 110% credit of the difference if you find the same ticket in the same row for less. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Capital L, capital O. Locked on. If it's a $20 ticket, you get it for free. $20 off. Code locked on on the game time app. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. The ACC is falling apart. 
And as much as the Nolers out there are all talking about, oh, they should have been in the national championship. If you were in a good conference, a stable mm-hmm. conference, this wouldn't have been a problem. And you know who agrees with me? FSU, who tried to get out that humpy bumpy in the preseason in question here, leading up to the alleged snubbing of the CFP. Regardless yeah. of how you feel about that, I haven't asked you that question yet. We cannot be friends after the show. It's fine, but I'm joking. <laughs> but the truth is, FSU saw the writing on the wall, and yep. it didn't just take uh ucf in a package getting more tv revenue per year than fsu however in a world where the acc is dissolving my question to you was about to be where would these acc teams fall and how much of a target would the big 12 be with what i've seen with you and robbie triano talking about your answer to me might be they're not going to be in the big 12 but there's a doom and gloom like out there as to why. Can you di- dive into that for me a little bit? By, by the way, saw this on Locked on Big 12, by the way. Bing! So, you know, got to throw that out there. But I, I'll, I'll put it this way, Kyle. The way that I see it, things stay as they are. If the traditionalists win in college football and every everything continues by the trajectory we expect it to. And the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, doesn't get his way. That I do see a world in which Florida State goes to the Big Ten and brings maybe North Carolina or Virginia with them. And you're going, North Carolina and Virginia, they're not good at that many revenue sports. What are we talking about here? Well, the reason why is because the SEC, the Big Ten, they want to build new media markets with Fox or ESPN. Why did I not mention Miami? Why did I not mention Clemson? Think about this. Miami, as they've struggled in football, has dropped out of the top 20 in athletic revenue in America. That's not something the SEC or the Big Ten wants to take a chance on. And they're also located in Coral Gables. They struggle to bring people to the stadium because the way that athletic department is built is funky enough to make it unstable unstable and with that being said while Miami fans believe they have a big enough brand because what happened 20 years ago to go to the Big Ten to go to the SEC those two leagues don't really want them right now and the Big 12 sitting right there saying look we would love to have Miami we could build our Florida footprint build in something with UCF Miami doesn't like that UCF fans would be awesome to have somebody locally Uh, and then for like a Clemson think about this Kyle Dabo Sweeney leaves Clemson next year hypothetically they start sucking. They go five years. They go four and eight, five and seven, six and six. They become Kansas State. This is what Clemson is, is because 15 years ago, we weren't talking about Clemson. What they are is it, it's like an Iowa State. It's like a can. It's like a Texas Tech just started being really good for 15 years, had one coach that made them great. And then when he leaves, then what? That, what do you have to hang your hat on if you're Clemson? That is what's gotten them at 17th in the United States in athletic revenue per colleges, NCAA colleges. I don't know if that's enough to get them to the Big Ten of the SEC. They could go to the Big 12. However, Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, says that he would rather create an elite subdivision of teams that can afford to pay half of their athletes $30,000 a piece. To do that, you're going to need to be above with inflation, with respect to inflation, above about $110 million in revenue per year athletically. And even then, it's going to be a stretch for some of those schools. What the NCAA president is trying to do is shrink college athletics at the top to your Georgias, to your Ohio States, to your Michigans, to your Alabamas, build a super conference, a super league, have them make their own rules. Everybody else gets relegated to a, almost a, a division to a subdivision of division one to just fight it out amongst themselves. UCF being one of those teams included at the very top of college football competes against each other. That would ruin ruin everything we know about and love about college sports and certainly tank the big 12. If you take out half the big 12 teams, 
So, it, it, first of all, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'll lead with this. Um, yes. Just as a quick aside, you dropped Kansas State in there. By the way, Avery uh, uh, Avery Johnson, the new quarterback, yeah. he's he's got potential and hope. I'm not ready to sign off that that he's going to be the answer. But when you got DJ Giddens with there with you there running dudes over, that's an NFL yeah. running back. I know that yeah. for a fact. Um, I've had the chance to see him twice. Once, you know, on TV with the first uh, UCF um, Big Twelve game, yep. and then over here at the Pop Tarts Bowl. Yeah, yeah, um, man, the, the the dude's legit. It'll be interesting to see with all the O line turnover and all that how that really transpires. I'm he's a good athlete. We'll see about his decision making. I'm not ready to crown him for one game, but the key word is potential there, and I see it. And yeah, what you said about like a Dabo Sweeney coming in there all all makes sense. And hey, listen, on this podcast, we're no friends of the ACC. And I think you assess that very nicely overall. But two things I wanted to bring up with your um, your concept here and and just something I want to throw out that I don't think gets talked about enough is ESPN obviously has thrown million one hundred million dollars and more. Right into college football we're seeing espn as a business hemorrhaging cash we saw the big layoffs and and you know listen as as much as i don't want to get into big personalities who currently are getting a bunch of clicks in the uh, relative football offseason here by going after each other i mean cool you do that we'll talk some sports but yeah um that's also a sign that these guys getting cut and having to go independent guys and girls i should say yeah uh, uh, Susie Colbert getting cut hurt me big. I'm that my soul. Anyways, but um, with ESPN starting to hemorrhage cash, things are starting to dry up in the well, and and yeah. what they can finance is going to be reduced. With all that in mind, and then also considering Title Nine making women's sports ex- more expensive theoretically as well, if the NCAA president's plan is to go through. I think the thing that makes it real is that ESPN can have an opportunity to condense their product and then just milk the cow in question. Am I a conspiracy theorist or should I hold off on getting the tinfoil hat here? I I don't think you're a conspiracy theorist. The one thing that ESPN, I say the one, but maybe the most prevalent thing that ESPN has showed it will pay money for is college football at its peak. They they have proposed a $1.3 billion contract to have the rights for the college football playoff over the next six years. That is wild. And that's that there's a reason why more and more games you feel like are going on ESPN plus or Fox sports one or Fox sports plus or whatever it is. It's because ESPN wants the top. They are interested in the top level because that is what garners them revenue. So with that 1.3 billion on the table, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think this, if this move is made, and ESPN has a lot more power than we than we suggest in college sports, if this move is made, ESPN is going to jump at it immediately. And I know we're running a little long, but then here's my here's my here's my response. Then too, we've seen Amazon Prime and Google step in, taking over Sunday Ticket in the NFL, getting Thursday nights. Keeping Al Michaels working, which, hey, I'm all about it. Maybe he kind of hates it with some of the games he's had to call. But, you know, um, I'll, I'll reserve my opinion on Herb Street off to the side as somebody who has covered UCF and had to deal with his hatred of the G5. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll just leave it over here. We don't have to bring that up. But is this then an opening for them to break heavier into the market? In condensing the market, Drake, are they creating an opportunity to build competition? No. 
No. And and you could you could argue that. And I would have argued that maybe a week ago because I thought Fox and NBC and and maybe Amazon would get involved in the streaming side of this with the college football playoff. It was expected that ESPN was in the hunt, but it was an open market conversation between the CFP and multiple networks. Now it's become clear that ESPN's offer might be the biggest and best offer and they might get the sole rights to the CFP. When we start talking sole rights for ESPN, we start talking about that word monopoly and, and how ESPN can monopolize college football. When they have that kind of grip, that kind of power, they're going to give that up. They're not going to give that to They're going to say like, oh, yeah, well, Amazon can come stream some of these games. I don't see that happening. You, oh, no, you, no, no. That's not my concept. I, I see oh, you got a whole concept here. I, what I'm saying is it's a separate league outright, like like which, ironically, I mentioned the now known as mm. uh, now to be named UFL as a concept. All right. Then I see what you're saying now. Then no, for a different reason, because I don't think. Amazon is going to be interested. Let's say that like uh, let's say a UCF, for example, and an Iowa State get left out of the elite sector of college football. I don't think Amazon is going to pony up money to stream that game behind a paywall. I don't think Prime wants to buy the the second tier of college football for fear of who's going to watch it. When you see like the top 10 games, the top 10 viewership games in college every week and assume that those teams are all getting to go play in this elite league, everybody else underneath that might get relegated to an ESPN plus just for kicks and giggles. I don't know if that is lucrative enough for an Amazon to want to buy it. Interesting. Well, and, and, and I'll leave it the last word because you're a first time guest and you make a great point. I have some retorts. All right. But we'll save that for another time because yeah. you do make a great point. Listen, at days in, my good friend, I get the fact that you're exciting Disney monopoly as a factor. Uh-oh. The joke I love to make on this and other shows where I talk about Disney is the entire reason they bought Star Wars obviously wasn't for the IP. We've seen how those movies that aren't Mm -hmm. called one went. And if you aren't the Mandalorian, we saw how that all went. Not great. The whole reason I think they bought it is just so they'll have the Imperial March for when they're running the show. I'm just saying. Love it. I love it. dude. It's getting nuts, man. But I I, I don't think you're a conspiracy theorist or any of us are for assuming that that's where college football is going. It's going to be a bidding war. It always has been. But now it's getting even even bigger because the teams and, and organizations, universities themselves are involved. All right. Wasn't that fun? We got a whole rundown on expansion. Wasn't that neat? I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Good dude. Good dude. Uh, This has been It Always Will Be. Come back Monday. I'll see you there. Dude, this whole moving thing's kind of nuts, but I'm going to announce it soon. I'm excited to tell everybody. I wish I could tell you now. They won't let me. Locked on. Thanks for making it your first listen every single day. Dose Grande.